Hi, I'm Steve Scott, and welcome to Knowing Him. Hi, I'm Steve Scott, and welcome back to our podcast, Knowing Him. You know, today's going to be really exciting. In fact, it's going to be transformational for those of you that wants transformation. Now, if you're one of those who says, I'm just fine the way I am. I don't want to get any closer to God than I already am. I don't want to know him any better than I already know him. Uh, don't waste your time here. Go on and, and go do whatever you want to do. But if you really want to come into uh, knowing him more than you know him right now, that's my prayer every day. I went from atheism to becoming a follower of Jesus Christ uh, in 1964. That's a long time ago. And do you know I'm still as excited today as I was then about getting to know him more clearly, more deeply, more intimately. And that's our goal here at Knowing Him. <clears throat> well, today's really cool because we're going to talk about a personal invitation that Jesus Christ makes to you, and he makes it to me. Now, this invitation may not be for those people who think they have it all together. Man, I don't need anything. I am so cool. If that's the attitude, well, this isn't an invitation to you. On the other hand, if you ever have times where you're discouraged, uh, disappointed, sad, uh, where you're just worn out, where you're overstressed, where, they're, where you're out of gas, you just don't have anything in you, and you just go... I don't know how I'm going to get through tonight or tomorrow. Uh, I, you know, you've lost it. You're out of fuel, whether it be spiritual fuel, emotional fuel, mental fuel, or physical energy. If that's you, if you're not where you wish you could be with God, then this invitation that he gives here is for you. But before he gives this invitation, he says something pretty Cool. Now, our text today that we're really going to focus on is Matthew 11, verses 27 through 30. Now, most of it's 28 through 30, but we got to start in verse 27 because that was a lead up. In verse 27, Jesus makes us aware of something that uh, not too many of his listeners were aware of at the time he made this statement. And I got to tell you, most people I know today aren't aware of this statement. Jesus said, only the Father knows the Son. Now, when he talks about knowing, he's not talking about knowing about somebody. He's talking about intimately knowing them, where they, they come into a true intimacy or a union. They're united and in, in perfect harmony. He said, only the Father knows the Son. Now, here's the cool thing. Jesus said, only the Son knows the Father and those to whom he chooses to reveal him. So Jesus said he's the only one in the entire universe who intimately knows God the Father. And he implies that he wants to reveal him to us. And if we let him reveal the Father to us, then we too will intimately know the Father. Let me say it to you again. Uh, only the Father knows the Son, 
and only the Son knows the Father and those to whom he chooses to reveal him. Well, here's the good news. Uh, it's not any question at all whether he wants to reveal the Father to you. How do we know that? Well, because he said so, that he came to reveal the Father. And he's about to tell us how we can get to know Jesus more intimately, how we can get to know the Father more intimately. Do you know that Jesus made over 100 statements about God the Father? And if you don't know what he said, and you haven't really studied the life of Christ, then uh, any concept you have of God the Father is incomplete at best and in error, maybe even extreme error, at worst. So it's critical. If you really want to know God the Father, you have to come into knowing what Jesus has revealed to us about God the Father in two ways. Number one, what he says about God the Father, and there's no shortage on that, and we'll talk about that a little later, but also how he lived. Jesus said that everything he did, he did exactly what pleases the Father. Now, you and I can't say that. How many times a day do we not do something God wants us to do, or do we do something that God doesn't want us to do? Uh, I'm sorry, I can't make that claim that everything I do is exactly what pleases God, but Jesus Christ could make that incredible claim about himself. And he also said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So as we look at the life of Christ, we look at him in the Gospels. And do you know, I have been studying the Gospels diligently and meditating on them now for uh, the last, well, let's see, since 2006. So that's uh, 16 years. And I will tell you, every day I see new things about God the Father in the life and teachings of Christ. And that's what he wants you to discover too. And we're going to show you how to do that between this podcast and the next podcast. It's really cool. Well, the invitation that he makes for you right now is amazing. Now, it's not just an invitation. It's an invitation to you and me when we're weary in the Greek. It's in the command form. He's commanding us to do something whenever we're weary when we're uh, tired. You know, I've had a ministry, one that I didn't choose, but it's just kind of fallen on me, with people who have lost their children. And this can be little children. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having the opportunity now to counsel with a man who a year ago at Christmas time lost his son in a car accident, 18-year-old um, son. But I've counseled with a lot of people who have lost their children. I will tell you that that is a level of grief and despair that is, is unequaled. I don't, I don't think, psychologists tell us that the single greatest uh, level of grief comes if we've lost a child. And, um, and it, it's terrible, but God has given me answers out of the teachings of Christ and uh, for that, and what he says here applies to my friend who lost his son last Christmas to the car accident, but it also applies to you and me. So I want you to listen, and we'll go through this in, in great detail. Now, once again, the preamble to this is that we don't know the son intimately, and we don't know the father. 
Only the Father knows the Son, and only the Son knows the Father and those to whom he chooses to reveal him. That's verse 27. Verse 28 starts out like this. He says, come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavily burdened. Okay, think about the times when you're weary. Now, for you mothers of three or four kids, that's probably every day. By the end of your day, you're probably pretty weary. I know guys go to work, and we get stressed at work, and I know women go to work. You know, most of our employees are female in our our small company that we own, and, um, you know, they're worn out at the end of the day. They have, they're dealing with a lot of people who have issues, and and that can be taxing. But uh, regardless, Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened. And he said, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, Obviously, he's not talking about an egg yolk. And most people, when they read that, they think he's talking about the yoke of an oxen that, that binds two people together. Well, that's simply not the case. Then he would say, come unto me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and uh, put my yoke on you, and then we'll, we'll work together. No, he's not calling you to do more work. He's calling you into a rest. And I'll get into that Greek word in a minute. But... Um, to the contrary, let me explain to you what he means about the yoke as we look at this passage. Um, he's talking about what's called a rabbinical yoke. And I don't think I've touched on it in a previous podcast, but if I has, have, bear with me. Um, the rabbinical yoke were the particular collections of teachings of particular rabbis. So a rabbi's yoke is his teachings about life and primarily his teachings about God and uh, the law, okay? So for example, we'll say you have Rabbi Smith and you go to Rabbi Smith about with questions about the law. You're one of his disciples and you go and you say, hey, um, what does it mean for me to love my neighbor? The law commands me to love my neighbor uh, as I love myself. What does that mean? Well, Rabbi Smith might say it means that uh, when he goes on vacation, you mow your neighbor's lawn while he's gone and you water his lawn. Okay. Another guy goes to Rabbi Jones and he says, can you tell me uh, what it means to love my neighbor as myself? And he says, well, you water their lawn, you mow their lawn while they're on vacation, but you also collect their mail. Okay. Somebody else goes to Rabbi, we'll say Rabbi Scott. And they say, what does it mean to love my neighbor? And he then gives you his teachings. And he says, well, it means you, uh, while they're on vacation, you mow their lawn, you water their lawn, you collect their mail, and you pay their bills that, that are in their mail, okay? Now, if you'll notice, each one of those collections of teachings create a burden for the person, okay? What, what was typical back in Jesus' day, and, and the, the unique teachings of a particular rabbi would be called his yoke, his rabbinical yoke. It's his collection of teachings. So the, Jesus' rabbinical yoke are his particular teachings. And uh, 
the other rabbis of Jesus' day, their yokes were creating more weight. You know, it's one thing to have to water your neighbor's lawn and mow it, but man, you're going to collect his bill. You're going to pay his bills. Ooh, that's starting to get heavy. What if you can't pay your own bills and now you're supposed to pay his bills? And so Jesus came against the religious leaders of his day for piling on more and more burden to the people in the name of religion, in the name of Judaism, in the name of uh, the teachings of the Torah. And he criticized them for that piling on. Well, here he's doing just the opposite. Listen to it again. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Now, the Greek word that's translated rest here means more than just uh, relaxing. It means I will give you rest and I will give you refreshment. Is that cool? I, in fact, I'm going to make all your labor cease. Whatever you're doing right now, I'm gonna have you stop the labor. I'm going to let you relax and encourage your relaxing, maybe put on some nice music or something. And I'm going to refresh you because when you leave this time, I want you to go out more refreshed, more relaxed, more empowered than when you came. So he's not going to lay a heavy burden on you. So now we're going to break this down uh, line by line and just help you to understand what he's saying. Okay, so come unto me. Now realize that's command number one. There's a few commands in this verse. Now as we're going to discover in a couple podcasts from now, we're gonna talk about God's love language. And his love language, as it turns out, is very different than what you think, or what I would have thought. It's revealed in the Last Supper. If you wanna know what it is, you can go ahead and after this podcast, you can look it up. John chapter 14, verses 21 through 24 will tell you what God's love language is. But it involves hearing and doing what Jesus said. Now. Here he says, come unto me. Our nature, whenever we're overly stressed, burdened, uh, out of gas, uh, what's our nature? Our nature is to go somewhere else, to go to somebody else, uh, to complain to a friend, to go to, uh, to a relative or to go to a pastor, which is great, go to um, a counselor, a therapist. That's okay. It's okay to do that. He's not saying don't do that. But he's saying, come unto me first. Come unto me first. That's really critical. Why? When we come to him first, he's going to share his heart and mind with us, and he's going to deal with our issues, and he's going to give us solutions. Now, if I go to my pastor and Jesus has given me one solution, I can look at my pastor's solution in light of what Jesus said. Because a lot of times, I got to tell you, solutions from whether it be religious leaders or therapists aren't really good solutions. In fact, Gary Smalley, my, my best friend and, and uh, mentor for over 40 years, used to tell me when you send somebody to a counselor, it's kind of dangerous because there are more ill-equipped and bad counselors out there than there are good ones. So you, he said, you really got to check somebody out before you recommend a counselor to somebody. Well, guess what? You don't have to check out Jesus. 
My gosh, here's a counselor that gave his life for you. He came to earth and sacrificed his own life, was executed on the cross so that you could be cleansed from all of your sin and so that you could have eternal life, so that you could get to know him and the Father in this life and experience eternal life after you die just as well. And I mean, a counselor that dies for you, that's pretty hard to find, especially when you weren't worth dying for. One of the verses that I love, it says, he uh, who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And speaking of God, it says, uh, but God has proved his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinning, while we were still at at odds with God and fighting against God and rebelling God. While we were in that state, God sent his son and died for the ungodly. And that proved God the Father's love. And of course, it proves the love of Christ. And so that's who we're going to as a counselor. Can you think of anybody better to go to? Also, let me remind you that our counselor in Jesus is God. He knows the future. He knows what tomorrow holds. He knows what's around the corner. He knows what the next 10 minutes holds. Any counselor you go to on this earth other than Christ, they can't see 30 seconds into the future. They don't know what intersection you're going to be crossing on your way home tonight. And he doesn't know how to make you two minutes late so you don't get hit by that car that runs the red light. Our counselor knows. Whoa. Our counselor created the universe and holds everything together by the power of his words, Hebrew 1.1. That's who we come to, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And um, let's look, continue to look at his invitation here. Come unto me. So even though our nature is to run to somebody else, Jesus says, come to me. And I'm going to, by the end of this podcast, I'm going to show you precisely how you do this. So don't panic if you if you're thinking, well, God, how do I go to Jesus for counsel? I'm going to show you, so be patient. Okay, now, number one, if we come to him and we follow his command to come to him, he promises that he will give us rest. And like I said, the Greek word, um, it means total relief, refreshing from all the burdens we're carrying and uh, the cessation, the stopping of all labor. So when we come in, into him, I mean, it's almost like um, going into a closet or a submarine where it's a one-man submarine, just you and Jesus. It's, it's coming. We're isolated. It's just us and him. And we can pour out our heart to him. Now, he commands us, second command that we see, is to take on his yoke. So what does that mean? It means that we take on his teachings, his rabbinical yoke. We begin to learn from him. We begin to discover what, it, what he taught, what he said, and we incorporate those sayings and teachings into our attitudes and our behavior. And once again, we'll show you how to do that. Um, he is not going to add to our load. Rather, he is going to empower us to, to uh, 
gain way beyond what we need to, uh, to rise above the load we are carrying. Now, when he says, learn of me, that's his third command. So number one, come to me. Whenever you're weary, come to, come to Jesus. Then take his yoke upon you. Realize he's, he, you're coming to him to what? To gain answers, to get rest, yes, but to get answers, solutions, relief, all of that. He can give us what no other counselor in the world can give us. And then he says, learn from me. Now, who do we tend to learn from? We go to the internet, we Google search something, and we learn from the internet. We learn from the experts who, who post on the internet, and we learn from the idiots. There are a lot of idiots, probably more idiots than smart people that do posting on the internet. And when we go on the internet, we end up learning from all of them. We learn from teachers who have a bias. Uh, we learn from teachers who have partial knowledge there is no partiality about Christ's knowledge. He not only understands everything in the universe, he understands the human heart. Is that amazing? He knows what's in your heart. He knows your struggles. He knows your failures. And he's not telling you to clean yourself up before you come to him. Hey, listen, I'm willing to take you on as your counselor, but before that, I want you to memorize the Ten Commandments. I want you to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to clean yourself up. I want you to make yourself acceptable for me. Not at all. Not at all. Just the opposite. He is, he is saying, you don't have to do a thing. You're worn out. You're weary. You're stressed. You're out of fuel. You're out of gas. You, you know, if you're a young person, you can't take the bullying any longer. You can't take the abuse that you're taking. Hey, come unto Jesus, and he'll show you how to not only take it, he'll show you how to overcome it. And, and we'll get into that later, but it's amazing what he, his answers for those that are bullied. Do you know, by the way, I might as well tell you now in advance, uh, go to Matthew chapter 5, and around the 10th beatitude, you'll see that, that when people bully you, young person, parents or grandparents, if you have children or grandchildren that are being bullied, Jesus said that you going through that persecution is actually laying up treasures in heaven. That bully doesn't know it, but he's helping you to store up treasures in heaven. Whoa! Yeah, I'm going to die one day. My life on earth is a grain of sand on the beach. But my eternity with God is every beach in the world combined. And that's where I'm going to have my treasures. Yeah, I don't like the pain of being bullied. Nobody does. But guess what? All they're doing is storing up treasures for those who follow Christ. Okay, let's get off of that and back to our text. So learn from him. Why should you want to learn from Christ? Well, number one, because he's the only counselor that knows the future. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what's right, what's wrong, what pleases the Father, what doesn't please the Father. And he can show you all of that. In fact, 
He's got, uh, made over 1,900 statements in the New Testament that are recorded, and in those, he's revealed everything we need, every issue we face, everything we need for our day and for our life, for our day, our moments, our light, our all of the above. Okay, now look at how he's going to lead us. I remember going into university classes, and I actually had a professor who thought he knew more than anybody else, and it was his way or the highway. Um, I ended up taking the highway, by the way, and because um, uh, he told me I would never get out of his department, and I was majoring in his department, and he said, you'll never graduate from my department as long as you have the beliefs that you have. Well, I wasn't willing to walk away from my beliefs, so I walked away from his department. But it's his way or the highway, right? Um, maybe you have parents that are like that, that it's their way or the highway. They know everything, you don't know anything. Um, but there's a lot of counselors that they really have a very highly inflated view of who they are and what they have. Listen to what Jesus says about himself. It is so amazing. He said, uh, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Whoa. He's the God, the co-creator of the entire universe. He knows everything. He is your savior. He's gonna die for you, but he's also going to bring you back to life after you die. And he's, he says he's humble. Oh my gosh, is that amazing? He is humble. Do you know that in Philippians chapter two, Paul says, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, regarded not equality with God, a thing to be clutched onto, but emptied himself. And being found in the appearance of a man took on the form of a bondservant and was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Whoa, is that humbling yourself? Imagine you're the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all creation, and you choose to become as a, a fertilized egg in your mother's tummy. And you go through that nine months and then you're born. You're not born an adult, you're born a baby. Oh my goodness, where you have to be totally dependent on someone else. Jesus chose that route. He humbled himself like none of us ever have had to humble ourselves, you know? But he did because he loves the Father that much and he loves you and I that much. So he says he's humble and gentle, oh my gosh. I can tell you, I've, my wife and I have gone to therapists, I've gone to therapists by myself. Uh, I don't think I would describe any of them as humble and gentle. Um, of course, Gary Smalley was my ultimate counselor for a long time, and Gary was humble, incredibly humble. Uh, Maybe may the most humble man I've ever met. And gentle, oh, we would start laughing and Gary would say things like, hey, have you ever looked at your own heart? Oh my goodness. We'd start, he'd say, all we are is scumbags. I mean, we're the lowest of low. We're right there with Paul. We're, we're lower than the worms on the ground and God loved us. Steve, what kind of love is that? 
that he sent his own son. And we'd just be amazed that God can love us so much. Well, that's the Lord Jesus too. So he says he's humble and gentle of heart. He's never, in one of your counseling sessions with Jesus, he's never going to look at his watch and say, oops, time's up. See you next week. Sorry, I've got somebody right behind you I've got to deal with. Uh, be sure and come back, though. Take the thought, some of the things we said. No. He says, stay as long as you want. Make yourself comfortable. I want you to rest and relax and hear what I say, and I want you to learn from me. And I want you to take my teachings upon yourself, bring them into your attitudes and into your behavior. A good friend of mine that I'll go ahead and give a shout out to, DJ Daly, as he was studying the words of Christ, I wrote a devotional called um, uh, Jesus Speaks. And it's, it's in the voice of Christ, but it's all, it's 100% based on the teachings of Christ. It came out in 2015. And Jesus said, you know what I do with the teachings of Christ in your book as well as in the Gospels? He said, I don't go as a student. He says, I, I go as someone getting into a jacuzzi. Now think about that. When you get into a jacuzzi, what do you do? Do you go in with pencil and paper? Nah. No, you just... You relax. That's how you come to Jesus. Get ready to relax and rest. And yeah, bring a pencil and paper because he may say something so amazing to you, you may feel like I gotta write this down while it's fresh in my mind. That's okay. But you're coming in the spirit of soaking, soaking up and soaking into the teachings of Christ. They're that good. Let's see what else he says. He says, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You want to know something? His burden's lighter than air. What happens when we pump something that's lighter to, than air into a balloon? The balloon rises. It rises above the ground. You can see for miles. It has a whole different perspective than we have on the ground. Jesus Jesus' uh, burden lightens us. It doesn't add weight to us. Um, once again, let me review real quickly. His command, three, come to me, take my yoke upon you, look at my teachings, and learn from me. Learn means, it doesn't mean uh, memorize. You never have to memorize this stuff because the Holy Spirit will do that. But learn means I'm going to not only see what he said, but learning actually means doing what he said. Okay, that's, it's, it's the whole process. And so that's how we come to him. Um, it's impossible for you to be in a place that this glorious invitation and this command doesn't apply. Um, I don't meet very many people who know what Jesus said. Now, I, I became a follower of Christ, like I said, clear back in 1964. Uh, so that's 58 years ago. And most believers I know 
no matter where they are in their relationship with Christ, they know almost very little of Jesus' 1900 statements. So I'm gonna give you a counseling tool that's going to make it easy for you to get counsel from Jesus anytime you need it, anytime you want it, about any issue. Now, years ago, in 2005, I was reading the Sermon on the Mount again, which I'd read many times, and I came to that hated passage. Can you believe I actually hated a passage in the New Testament? Uh, I truly hated it, because every time I read it, it just, it caused me incredible consternation, uh, indigestion of the spirit and the soul. And it's how, how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. And, um, you know, maybe if, if Solomon had said it or David or one of the prophets in the Old Testament, maybe I could have rationalized and gotten away from it. But Jesus himself said it. And it's how he closed the greatest sermon ever preached. And uh, it's in Matthew 7 and he, where he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. I, I, have I referred to this in a previous podcast, Sean? Okay, Sean says that I've referred to this in a previous podcast. Therefore, okay, so now he, it's the crescendo. He's going to tell us the whole reason for this terrifying glimpse of the judgment of professing believers is what he's about to say. Therefore, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house. House stood firm because what? It was built on the rock. What's the rock? According to Jesus, the rock in this parable is building a life of hearing and doing what he said. Well, when I saw that and said, Lord, you said so much about so many things, where do I start? And he whispered, organize my statements into topics. Well, that's exactly what I did. It took two years. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. And the book was published by Random House. Um, the one place you want to buy this is christianbooks.com. And the reason I say that, it's hard to find the red letter edition at Amazon. If they carried it and it was easy to find, I'd say fine with Amazon. But christianbooks.com uh, is a ministry, so I love that you support it. Um, and you can find it. It is the brown cover. It is, uh, it is the red letter edition. That's what you want. And it's on thin line Bible paper, so it's only a half inch thick, even though it's 500 plus pages. But it's where I've organized every statement of Christ into topics. So for your counseling sessions with Christ, you look up any one of 225 topics that applies to that session that you're going to, and right there you can see everything he said about that subject. Now, when I first did this, I, had, I took a year just to organize his statements in uh, the Gospel of John and Mark, and I was visiting with Gary Smalley at the time, and uh, he said, can I see what you've done? And I said, sure. So I pulled out the manuscript and Gary looked up a topic. And as he read on that topic, tears started flowing down his eyes. And then he started going, which was always the cue. Gary was about to start sobbing. And then he just let loose and he started crying. And I said, Gary, what's going on? And he said, uh, 
I don't know. I don't understand this. Every one of the verses in this subject I've read before, but they've never had this impact on me. And then he figured it out. He says, I got it. He says, it's as if I went into my prayer closet with Jesus and said, Jesus, tell me everything you want me to hear about this subject. He said, and in three minutes, he told me everything that he said that had been recorded in the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Mark. He said, Steve, it was like a one-on-one session with him. And see, I was gonna stop because it was the hardest thing I ever did. I was gonna stop after year one. And I told Gary that, and he said, no, 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 no. You've gotta complete this. You have to do the rest of the New Testament, everything Jesus said. And so I did that and took another year and then it came out. But um, uh, it, because it organizes the words of Christ, it makes it easy. In fact, I'll read you um, a couple of the things that people said. Um, I like what, um, oh, Josh McDowell said, there's power in the word of, of Christ. The greatest words ever spoken will help you experience his power like never before. Uh, Gary Chapman, who wrote the five love languages, I like his. He said, if you ever wanted to understand Jesus' heart, listen to what he said. Using all of the recorded words of Jesus, this book makes it easy. And um, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, he wrote uh, uh, Boundaries, which is an incredible book. He says, I love being able to see Jesus' statements on a single topic arranged one right after the other. This is helpful not only for study, but for personal devotions. And I love Dr. Jeremiah. David Jeremiah said, packed with every word Jesus spoke and grouped by topic, this book should be a constant companion to your Bible. I'm not trying to sell books now. The book came out in 08 and it's been uh, out for years. What I'm trying to do is to give you a, a tool that will make counseling one-on-one with Jesus, easy. Of course, you can get it all in the Gospels. You can study the Sermon on the Mount, and I hope you will. You can study all of his teachings. I hope you will in their context. That's great. But for these counseling sessions where you're coming to Christ to learn from him, uh, this brings all the pieces. Gary came up with another illustration. He said it's like bringing all the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle together. Do you know... When you, in fact, I'm looking at a jigsaw puzzle right now. Do you know that when you bring those pieces, uh, before you bring them together, uh, every piece of a jigsaw puzzle has shape, it has purpose, it has meaning, it has color. Uh, the picture's incomplete without it, but it's only one piece. And that one piece can be manipulated. You know, I I can look at a a blue piece of a jigsaw puzzle and say, oh, it's obvious. That is a beautiful mountain lake reflecting the sky. It must be a puzzle of a beautiful sunny day on the lake. But then we put the puzzle together and we put that piece where it goes in the puzzle and guess what? It's a picture of two glass buildings reflecting the blue sky but there's a plane about to enter one of those buildings. It's actually a puzzle of 9-11, see? You don't know that until you put the puzzle together. Well, that's the same thing. When you study what Jesus said by topic, 
you're bringing all the pieces of the puzzle together so you see the whole picture of his heart and mind on that topic. And uh, good news, you can't manipulate a picture. See? So one of the things I've discovered while I've used this book now for 15 years or 16 years, and what I've discovered is that 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 whole picture oftentimes changes an entire belief because you see everything Jesus said. You know, all of us know John 3.16 is one glorious piece of what Jesus said about eternal life and being born again and being saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And uh, uh, that's, that's one piece. But there's also the piece that says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few there be that find it. Uh, there's also the piece that said, uh, uh, you must be born again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoa, that's a pretty strong statement. But when we bring them all together, we see this glorious picture that no man can manipulate. Um, My son, Sean, who is the engineer on these podcasts is with me, and he's just offered to to share a little testimony of of this. So I'm gonna bring the mic, let him come to the microphone and let him say a couple of words and then we'll close it up. Uh, so with my studying, I had a couple of years, um, probably five or six years ago where I was, uh, had a strange amount of time on my hands and I studied a lot and, uh, I started studying in that book and it really is just so useful not not even useful it was it was like what my dad said that gary said i would sit down uh and i would just ask heavenly father a question i'd be thinking you know why does the lord want me to do this or what does he mean by this thing and i think ooh, i wonder if there's a topic like that so i'd look through the, the index and or topical guide or whatever uh, table of contents. There you go. And I'd see, ooh, there is a topic right there. There's also this topic and that topic. So I'd, I'd underline this one and that one. And I'd be like, I want to study these. And I'd start reading through them. And that was one of the most impactful periods of time in my life. So I just, I wrote a little note while my dad was saying that and said, hey, if you want, if you want me, I can share my little testimony of it because it's I don't know. It's amazing. So that's all. Thank you, Sean. And let me just say that until I started studying his teachings by subject, I never understood. It said, speaking of the crowd, and they were astonished by the authority with which he taught, for he taught not as the scribes and Pharisees taught, or I think it's he he taught not as the scribes is what it says. How could you be astonished by his authority with which he taught? I didn't get that. 
And later, uh, when uh, we've already mentioned this before, when the when the Sanhedrin sent out troops, sent out some some arresting guards to arrest Jesus and bring him back, uh, they came back empty-handed, and uh, they were asked, "How come you're empty-handed?" How come you didn't bring him back? And they said, never has a man spoken as this man speaks. Listen, as you get into the words of Jesus in this way, you're going to be astonished by the authority with which he teaches. A friend of mine is a pastor, and um, after he got into, started studying the teachings of Christ in greatest words, uh, he called me about six months after he had been into it, and he said, Steve, have you noticed that saturating your heart and mind with the words of Jesus makes it hard for you to read anything else? Well, folks, that's true. You know why? It's, it's lifeblood. You know, it's one thing to uh, eat a lifesaver, piece of candy, but it's another thing to eat a hamburger or a piece of steak. You get so much more nutrition out of that meat than you get out of a lifesaver that it can, it can spoil lifesavers. If all you had to eat your whole life was on lifesavers, guess what, man, you have your first burger and you are gonna be in burger heaven. Anyway, so with that, uh, I hope this has blessed you. I hope that you'll take Jesus up on his command and start coming to him. Come to him, learn from him, and begin to apply his teachings uh, to your attitudes and your daily activities. And that's what we're going to show you in our next podcast. We're going to give you a little tool. All you're going to need is an empty page of paper. And I'm going to give you this tool that was developed by a man uh, who has a discipleship ministry in 167 countries. I've never met him, but I read one of his books. And uh, then I called him, and I learned this little model that you can do that takes what Jesus said and in a matter of minutes moves it into your heart and within 24 hours moves it into your attitudes and behaviors. And so we'll look at that tomorrow, or not tomorrow, in our next podcast. And so um, I look forward to it. I pray that you'll take this seriously because, let me quote it for you so I don't misquote it. He says, and you will find rest for your soul. Your soul is the core of who you are. All of your emotions, your behavior, your attitudes, they all flow out of your soul. And he said, "That's you're gonna be refreshed at that level. That's a place nobody else can reach. No human counselor can reach that place in your heart, your soul. Jesus has promised that the Holy Spirit will deliver his words right into the depths of your soul. So thank you. I'm just gonna pray before we close. Father, I pray for these listeners that you would uh, just help them to start coming to your dear son, that they would obey this command and they would get all of the promised blessings of refreshment and 
rest and power and deliverance. And I ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen.